If you were here last week, you know that we began a brand new series called Habits of the House. And what we're talking about really over these next few weeks is this idea that every house has habits. Every house has things that they do within the house and within the family that, quite honestly, outside of that house may seem a little strange. But inside of that house, they're completely normal because it's all you know. It's the way you've grown up. It's the things that you have done. Every house has habits. And we've been talking about how we are meant to be the family of God, that we're really talking about the values of this house, of Harbor Church. And all of our values kind of begin with this idea that we are designed to function as family that we are designed to function as family. And so in many ways, this is a house. Last week, we talked about how the Bible tells us that we are being built into a house, that we are living stones being built into a house, that the Bible says that God sets the lonely in families, that we're meant to be a family for the lost. We're meant to be a family for the lonely, which means we should function as family. And like any family, we also have habits, but our habits are not unintentional. So often the habits that we have are things that we picked up that if we could, we would actually get rid of those habits. If we could, we would actually rid our lives of biting our nails. If we could, we would actually rid our lives of procrastination or running late. But we have these habits that we just seem to pick up along the way. And what we're talking about here is being intentional about the habits of our house. Because the, the truth is, whether we like it or not, in many ways, the habits that we adopt really define our lives. Uh, like a lot of times, we don't give enough credit to the small incremental habits of our lives and the compounding effect that they have in shaping who we are. And if I'm really honest, today's topic might seem a little elementary, but I, I think that often the topics that seem the most elementary are at the most risk of being forgotten. They're at the most risk of being neglected. And ultimately, as a church, what we want to do is we want to make disciples, which means that we want people to be healthy, and we want them to be thriving, and we want them to be moving in the direction that God has for them. And in order to do that, there's really three places that we believe you have to be planted. We believe that you have to be planted in the family of God, in the presence of God, and in the word of God in the family of God, the presence of God, and the word of God. And all of our values really flow from this idea of being planted in the family of God. That's what we talked about a little bit, kind of setting this up last week. But then we really focused in on that idea of being planted in the presence of God and how the presence of God is not just something that we enter into. The presence of God is something that we as followers of Jesus actually carry with us that we are actually carriers of the presence of God. And so today, I want to talk about this idea of being planted in the Word of God and just remind us that the Word of God must have a place in our lives, that it must have a place in our lives. I wonder if I observed your life for an entire month, what place would I determine the Word of God had in your life? I think that if I observed your life for a month, I would know the job that you have. I would know the hobbies that you have. I would know the extracurricular activities that your family is engaged in. I would know what, maybe what school your kids go to. I would know what shows you watch religiously. But would I know that the word of God has a place in your life? Would your actions actually show me that the word of God has a place in your life? 
And what I really wanna define the word of God as is the word of God is really a healthy boundary in the life of a believer. It's a healthy boundary in the life of a believer. Human beings need healthy boundaries. We need healthy boundaries. If you were driving over to St. Pete and you came upon the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, and as you were pulling on it, you realized that somebody had removed the boundaries of that bridge, you would not drive comfortably on that bridge. You would not walk comfortably on that bridge. In fact, a lot of you would probably pull off to the side of the road and say, I am not going near that bridge. I'm not going anywhere near a bridge that does not have boundaries on it. And yet we often live our lives without the necessary boundaries to keep us from going off track. And when it comes to the boundaries that God has placed in our lives, he's really given us two primary boundaries that that keep us in line, that keep us on the path he has for us. And one is the community of God and one is the word of God. The word of God is a healthy boundary. And I think that a lot of times we would think that in a perfect world, we wouldn't need boundaries. That boundaries are really just intended to keep us straight because we're so off track. And yet we have this example in the Bible, in Genesis 1, of Adam and Eve who are set in the Garden of Eden. It says that they are perfect humans living in a perfect world with a perfect relationship with God. And yet the first thing that God does is give them boundaries. He says, this is what you can and cannot do. We were designed to live with healthy boundaries. We were designed to live with guardrails. And the ultimate point of this guardrail of scripture is not to restrict us. It's not to keep us captive. The ultimate responsibility of the guardrail of scripture is that healthy boundaries, healthy guardrails instill confidence in our lives. They instill confidence in our lives. See, if you, if you were to go out and decide one day that you wanted to be a rock climber, you would feel a lot more confident climbing if you were anchored to something. I see these people who free climb. I'm not counting them because I think something is broken in their brain. But the average human being who's going to engage in something as dangerous as climbing is going to want to be anchored to something. And if you're going to go through life and follow the plan that God has for your life, you have to be anchored to something. And we were designed to be anchored to the word of God. And scripture needs to be a part of our life. It needs to have a place in our life. But it needs to be much more than just a part of our lives. See, there is a difference between something being a part of your life and submitting to it. And here at Harbor Church, one of our core values is that we are submitted to Scripture. It's not just that we value Scripture. It's that we are actually submitted to Scripture. So often I come upon people who maybe don't quite understand the purpose of marriage. They're in a relationship. They're living together. And they say, really, what is the difference between just living together and actually being married? But how many of you know that actually committing to someone in a lifelong relationship holds a different weight than just living together? That there is a level of commitment that comes with marriage. And it's the same thing when it comes to the scripture. There there is one level of engaging with scripture that might just be reading it or might just having it as a part of your life. And there is another level of engagement with scripture that is actually submitting your life to scripture. There was a, a 2014 study done exclusively on American Christians. And it showed that 88% of Americans owned a Bible and the average American household had four Bibles in it. 
Now, what we know from those statistics is that a lot of people have the Bible around them, but a lot of people have not submitted to Scripture. Because I can tell you if 88% of our nation had submitted to the Bibles that they have sitting in their homes, our world would look a lot different. Our world would look a lot different. Out of that 88%, 48%, this is just Christians, 48% said they never read their Bible. 9% said they read sporadically. And 57% said the primary time that they hear the word of God is when they come to church on Sunday. Now, once a week is, is not enough to hear the word of God. But we can take that one step further because this same study showed that the average Christian attends church one time a month since COVID. One time a month. It was down from two times a month to one time a month since COVID, which means for about 57% of people who say they follow Jesus, the only time they hear scripture is when they come to church and they only come to church once a month. This is not what it looks like to live submitted to Scripture. This is not what it looks like to live our lives submitted to Scripture. Six out of ten Christians in that same survey said that the Bible had little to no impact on their lives. Little to no impact on their lives. In James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, it says this, or 22 actually, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone can, he will be blessed in what he does. I love this analogy that James uses here of the mirror because we all are familiar with looking in a mirror. There's probably very few of you who even came here this morning without looking at yourself in a mirror. There's probably very few of you that at some point in the morning do not look in the mirror. And your mirror never lies to you. When you look at, have you ever looked in a mirror and then gone and checked another mirror? as though you were going to get a different result. Sometimes the mirror in our bathroom, I just don't like it. I feel like the lighting is off. And so I'll look in that mirror and I'll assess how things are going. And then I'm like, I'm going to walk to the other end of the house. I'm going to just check out the other bathroom mirror because I don't feel good about what that mirror is telling me. But the truth is that a mirror has no agenda. A mirror is just a reflection of who you are, a reflection of what you look like. For better or worse, a mirror always confronts you with what you actually look like, with what you actually look like. And I doubt any of you ever really question your mirror's accuracy. Like You don't look in your mirror, see something on your face, and be like, nah, that's a jacked up mirror. That's not on my face. I'm not fixing that. That's not there. That, 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 that's, that's a mirror problem. That's a mirror problem. And yet, so often, we come to the word, and we don't approach it like a mirror that reveals who we are. We, we don't approach it like a mirror that just reveals the state of who we are. See, when you look in a mirror and something doesn't look right, it demands a response. And when you truly submit your life to scripture, the mirror of God's word, when it reveals something in you that is not right, that is off course, it requires a response. It requires a response. 
See, the difference, though, in just a mirror and the word of God is that the Bible doesn't just tell you your condition. The Bible also leads you out of your condition. It does not just tell you the condition you are in. It leads you out of that condition. The word of God has the power to reflect more than just your physical condition. It reflects the condition of your heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, this is the problem with not submitting ourselves to the word of God, is that sin is deceitful. Sin will cause you to have an inappropriate and an inaccurate view of who you are and what your life looks like. Sin blinds us. And that is one of the dangers when it comes to not submitting to Scripture is that we become unaware of our blindness. We become unaware of our blindness. When you are physically blind, you are aware that you cannot see. And so you, you engage in, in things that help you navigate the world around you. You, you purchase tools. You, you find methods that help you actually get around. You're intentional about developing skills and embracing tools to help you navigate life without sight. The problem is when we're spiritually blind, we're often unaware of it. So we don't reach for the tools that are available to us to help us navigate this life. And that's the good news of the word is that the word reveals to us our blindness not to cast sin, uh, judgment and not to cast shame. It reveals our blindness so that we can become who God has called us to be, so that we can step out of those areas of blindness. The word reveals our blindness. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, uh, it, the, the, the word of God judges our attitudes. It judges our hearts. It lets us know the condition of our hearts. It is that mirror that lets us know when there are adjustments that need to be made in our lives. And if we are not engaging with the scripture, it's just like we're getting up every single morning, we're waking up, we're putting on our clothes, and we're walking out the door without ever actually examining how we look. We're walking around, maybe something is weird with our face, maybe our hair's off, maybe we don't know what's going on, but we haven't examined ourselves in the mirror. We haven't looked in the mirror. And for a lot of us, it's been a really long time since we've spiritually looked in the mirror. It's been a really long time since we've spiritually evaluated the state of our heart. See, what we realize in this verse in Hebrews is that the work of God in our lives is directly related to the word of God in our lives. See, a lot of times we want the work of God in our lives. We want God to do work in our lives. But it's, it's the Bible, it's the word of God that reveals to us the work that needs to happen. And so when you are not submitting your life to scripture, when you are not submitted to the word of God, you often don't know the work that needs to happen. You often don't know the work that needs to take place in your life. When I think about the word of God, I think about pilots who are trained to fly not just by sight, but they're, they're trained to fly by instruments as well. Because you can fly by sight as long as it's a beautiful, clear day. 
But as soon as you come upon a dark, stormy night, you need to know how to fly by your instruments. There's this story of a, a fighter pilot who was flying a secret mission in Desert Storm, and he was recently telling this story where he was flying, and they intentionally chose this night for his mission because they knew it was going to be the darkest night of the week. They knew that the moon would be the smallest, that the cloud cover would be the heaviest, and so that he had the best chance of not being detected by enemy forces. And so he's flying this mission in Desert Storm, and quickly into it, he's locked on by an enemy combatant. His plane lets him know that he has been locked on, he has been targeted, that, that he is about to essentially be shot out of the air if he doesn't do anything. And so he pulls apparently some like Maverick Top Gun moves and he does some violent maneuvering, some crazy maneuvering, and he actually gets this thing to unlock off of him. The problem is his maneuvering was so violent and so fast and so rapid, it threw off the equilibrium in his ear. So he actually did not know whether he was flying upright or not. And his ear and his mind, as he tells this story, he says his ear and his mind had him convinced that he was climbing too fast and that he needed to push the yoke back and level out his plane. But when he looked at his instruments, his instruments told him that he was actually diving towards the ground and that he needed to do the exact opposite of what his ear and his mind was telling him, that he actually needed to pull up on the yoke to pull out of this dive. And so in this moment, he trusts his instruments, he pulls up, and sure enough, as he pulls up, his equilibrium begins to come back, and he realizes that he had been completely thrown off. Had he pushed that yoke forward, he would have taken himself straight into the ground. And I think this is the reason that so many of us are crashing in our lives is because we are flying based on our feeling, we're flying based on what our mind thinks, and we're not judging it against the instrument that we have of the Word of God. We're not checking our instruments, we're not checking our life up against the Word of God. See, this is what happens so often, is instead of relying on the Word of God, we rely on our feelings, but I think it's, it's so interesting that once he did what was actually counter to what he was feeling, once he did that was actually counter to what his mind was telling him, in that moment, his mind and his body began to respond to what he did, even though it felt wrong, even though it felt like what he wasn't supposed to do. When he followed his instruments, his mind and his body followed suit. And see, I think so often it's the same way with the Word of God, that the Word of God may seem to tell us to do things that are countercultural, that seem counter to what we would actually want to do, to seem counter to what we are actually feeling. But when we begin to submit ourselves to Scripture, when we begin to actually walk out what the Scripture calls us to do, our mind and our body comes into alignment with how God has created us and what He has created us to do. The problem is that we currently live in a culture that doesn't really accept authority or final truth. It doesn't accept authority or ultimate truth. The current kind of narrative of culture is that authority is either corrupt or lying to you, which is interesting because the very first thing that Satan did in the Garden of Eden was question to Eve whether God actually said what he said. Authority is lying to you is what he was saying. Authority is lying to you. Did God really say that you couldn't eat of the tree? Did God really say? He was questioning the authority of God. But we also live in a culture that does not accept ultimate truth. 
You hear everywhere this idea of you, you live your truth, I'll live my truth, find your truth. But the truth is that there is truth in the word of God. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. I want you to notice a very important use of words in that verse. It doesn't say your word is true. It says your word is truth. There's a difference between something being true and being truth. Because in order to find out if something is true, it has to be measured against truth. And so the Bible is the measure of what is true. The Bible is the measure of what is true, and yet so often we try to reverse it and we try to see if the Bible is true. It's kind of like years ago, many of you have heard the story of when I broke my ribs. I don't know if you've ever broken a bone, but when you break a bone, they take the x-ray, now it's all computerized, but they used to take the x-ray and they would put it up on a light board so that they could see where it was broken, so that they could see where there was a problem. And the, the word of God was meant to be that light board of our lives that we hold our lives up to, to see the condition of our lives. And what happens so often is that we put something else up there as the light board that we hold our lives up to. And so we put our feelings up there, we put our opinions up there, we, we, we put what other people have said up there, and we hold our lives up against that. The problem is that our feelings and our opinions do not have the capacity to hold the weight of our lives, that only the truth of God's word is meant to measure our lives. And if we, we really get it twisted, what we start to do is we start to hold the word of God up to the light of our opinions, we start to hold the word of God up to the light of our feelings. We start to hold the word of God up to the light of our experiences rather than holding our opinions and our experiences and our feelings up to the light of the word of God. What it means to be submitted to scripture is to accept scripture as ultimate truth and then live your life according to that truth. See, so often I think that people try to try to determine whether the Bible is true. But the truth is that the Bible talks about knowing truth, that you can actually know the truth of God's word, that the, the, the word of God is not meant to be measured by anything, but everything is meant to be measured by the word of God, that everything is meant to be measured by the word of God. And we are, are a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in being spirit-led. We believe that the, the things of the Spirit are for today. But I can also tell you that you cannot live a spirit-led life if you do not submit to the scripture that was inspired by the Spirit. That this is the starting point of a spirit-led life. That the Word of God is the starting point for a spirit-led life. See, we assume that to accept the Bible is, and to accept the ultimate truth of the Bible is to, be, is to be in some way oppressed or enslaved or bound or held back. But if you look in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That word know is the deepest form of intimacy that could be expressed in the language, that you, you know the truth. It is not an intellectual knowledge. It is an intimate relational knowledge that when you have that knowledge of the word of God, it does what? It sets you free. 
that ultimately submitting to scripture actually brings more freedom, more direction into your life when you intimately know God's truth. We want to be a church that is submitted to scripture. But but if we're going to be submitted to scripture, we have to orient our lives around scripture. We actually actually have to bring the scripture into our lives. We have to intentionally engage with scripture daily. And I just want to encourage you with one really, really, really simple practice to begin your day with scripture. You might not be a morning person. I'm not even asking you. I'm not even telling you that you should spend a half hour every morning just sitting in silence, reading your Bible, I mean, if you have time and you can do it, that's great. Do it. Go for it if you're a morning person. But what I am saying is that you should start your day with some form of scripture, that you should begin your day with scripture. See, I think what tends to happen so often is that we begin our day with what we begin our day with actually sets the course for that day. It sets the course for how we filter everything through that day. So if we begin our day, if we roll over out of bed and we begin our day with work emails, basically what we're telling ourselves is today revolves around what I can produce. Today revolves around who I can be at my job. When we begin our day with social media, we begin our day most often with comparison. We begin our day with, with comparison. That's the foundation for our day. When we, we begin our day with news, we generally allow fear to be the foundation of our day. But when we begin our day with the word of God, when we allow him to inform the direction of our day, it's a reminder of who he created us to be. That all of those other things, they will come and they are important and they should be paid attention to, but they come through the filter of the word of God. They come through the filter of a life that is submitted to the word of God. And what would happen if you started your day submitting yourself to the word of God? What would happen if you started your day giving the first moments of your day to the word of God? Psalm 143, 8 says this. It says, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. For to you, I entrust my life. Listen, this idea of submission is kind of sometimes bristled at because of our culture. We don't want to give up ultimate responsibility. We don't want to give up ultimate care to somebody else. We don't want to let things out of our hands. But can I tell you that one of the most important things you can do for your life as a follower of Jesus is submit your life to the word that he gave you. When we look at culture, so many people are crashing, so many people are burning, so many people are burning out, and I firmly believe it's because we have not submitted our lives to the scriptures that God gave us, that we have not submitted our lives to the word of God that he gave us. We have to be a people who engage with the word of God, but we go beyond just engaging with the word of God, that we actually submit ourselves to the word of God. That verse we started with in James talks about not walking away from the mirror and forgetting who we are. Not, not walking away from the mirror and forgetting what it's told us. But I think that that's so often what we do with scripture is that we may read it, we may engage with it, and it may even reveal to us our condition. It may even reveal to us some areas that we need to make some adjustments, that we need to take some different steps. But it's not long before we've forgotten what it's told us. 
It's not long before we've forgotten what we look like in the light of Scripture. And today, I just want to remind us as a family that one of the habits of this house is being submitted to Scripture, that that we love the presence of God, that we love the Spirit of God, but that we believe it all flows through the Word of God, that it all flows through what He's told us in His Word. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?